have taken your first step into a larger world. Hello there, I'm Rowan Williams and I'm Baz McAllister and welcome to Force Material where we are back to break down every episode of The Mandalorian Season 2 with you every week Uh, and this week we have a very special guest with us uh, welcoming Mr. Josh Chapman from Star Wars Spelt Out to the podcast. Josh, thanks for being here. Hey guys, it's so great to be back right the moment that Star Wars is back. Star Wars is back guys. Yeah. (laughs) It's back. (laughs) That I got in here right as it came back. Oh, that's right. Timing. <laughs> now, Josh, you are, I could be wrong about this, Baz. Let me know if I am. But I, I think on our Australian Star Wars podcast, you are the first Australian guest we've ever had. I think that's right. Yeah. <laughs> really? Yes. Oh, my gosh, you guys. What's going on? That's too much. Too much overseas talent so, going yeah, on. Yeah, we're not... Uh, Shop local, fellas. Exactly. We, we have not been good patriots, uh, but so we're, we're, we're making up for that this episode. It's nice to, to... It was super easy to be able to schedule this episode because you're just <laughs> down the road. Like, yeah. it's only an hour's time yeah. difference. Nobody has to get up at 5 a.m. to do this, so it's good. Yeah, no, I wasn't going to... Sorry, I mean, I like you guys, but if it had been 5 a.m., I probably would have found some excuse. To sort yeah. Of, like, oh... Uh, that's why I never do UK podcasts. You know, <laughs> shout out to, like, the, the scruffy-looking podcasters. And they like, oh, you want to come on? Like, yeah, we record. It'll be your, you know, 6 a.m. if that's cool. I'm like, nah, <laughs> not really. <laughs> <laughs> I love you guys, but... <laughs> One of the upsides of those time zones, obviously, is we get to enjoy The Mandalorian at uh, the very reasonable hour of, well, it's five o'clock for me and Baz, and it'd be, what, six o'clock for you, Josh? Yeah, six o'clock. So it's pretty much about as perfect as it gets, really. Like we get the kids, well, got little kids, they're in bed by about seven if everything goes well, and then by the time you sit down and settle in, it's just sort of roll in. So it, it's it's good, you know, perfect with viewing time, and also you don't have to be off your phone for very long as well. So it's, you know, you can kind of just... Look at that and, and put it down and not worry and sit down and enjoy the show. And then you get all the people in the US and the UK kind of up at three in the morning. And it, it's weird, isn't it, really, that we've actually like got a break in that respect? Yeah. Normally we sort of we get screwed over <laughs> when it comes to stuff like that. But I guess we're better because we get Star We got like we've been getting Star Wars movies earlier as well. Yeah. We get them the Wednesday midnight mm, uh, yeah. and it turns out to be about a day and a half ahead of it. It's just weird. Cause it was a, we were the lepers for yes, years, everything. And years and years and years. <laughs> we would get it months. Of, I mean, even Phantom Menace came out two months or six weeks later, um, as I recall. Yeah. And, you know, as soon as that internet kicked in and the lepers up rose and said, you know, we're just going to download everything. If you don't give it to us when we want it, <laughs> um, the whole thing just shifted. Yeah. So, uh yeah they've they've taken they've taken notice of it you know island of criminals you can't you can't mess around them for that long <laughs> now josh just to give people an idea of kind of where you're at heading into this season obviously uh people who listen to the show know that baz and i uh love the mando lorian uh obviously we spoke very highly of season every virtually every episode of season one where are you at heading into this season are you where how did you kind of rate season one? Oh, look i, I loved it i you know, I was on board. I was 
surprised by the scale and and how good it looked and and it didn't look like they were cutting corners because you know as soon as you sort of think star wars tv and you move something to tv i always kind of thought well they'll have to they'll have to budget it down basically and that was kind of what i was expecting and i I mean i got to go i was in the the panel for celebration i was in the big room um when they dropped the first footage and and um it's kind of weird because some people who were in that room were like oh it looked a little bit ropey i don't remember ever looking really ropey just kind of going this just looks like it costs a, like they've just th- absolutely thrown the money train at this. This is crazy. How are they going to do this? Um, and then, of course, we found out later with the volume and all of these other little tricks that they've done that they've managed to, you know, give us this quality. But um, yeah, I look, I, I really enjoyed it. I loved it. You know, as soon as that baby Yoda dropped, I was, I was in like everybody else. And um, it's just, I mean, it's been a funny old year, this one. And it, it kind of, it kind of snuck up on me a little bit, to be honest. Mm. I, even though it kind of felt like it was always coming. I mean, maybe for me personally in Melbourne, we just, we've just been in lockdown for months and months and it kind of That'll feels like it. your soul, whether you like it or not, you're just thinking about that and thinking about getting out of that and the daily numbers and blah, 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 blah. And, and kind of knowing that Mandalorian was coming was always good. And then all of a sudden, like we got out of lockdown last week and then you know, Bruce Priestley drops a new record on the Tuesday <laughs> and then the Mandalorian comes and all of a sudden the church bells are ringing and the sun is shining and the, you know, things are happening. It was just this weird kind of, it all kind of happened at once. So, uh, but the, you know, by the time I, I it got to Friday, it felt very real. I was really, I was ready to go. Like I was sort of going, what, you know, what are they going to do? They've shown us a little bit, but I, I feel like, and we'll talk about, it, I'm sure, I'm sure that they had a lot up their sleeve. Mm. Yeah. It's very 2019 or, or just any year prior to 2020 vibes the last week or so with like actually getting new content that you did it, that, you know, that people actually want to watch and listen to or whatever. I mean, we had this. <laughs> yeah. We've got Mando. We've got the Springsteen album. We've got the Springsteen doco. Uh, we've got the new Sofia Coppola. We've got the, the, you know, the Borat too. It's like, what year is this? Like things are coming out again. Like it's, things are happening. Yeah. I, I just watched the Sofia Coppola uh, movie last night. Actually, it was very good. You know, you know, Murray, classic Murray. Um, I went yeah, for Borat. I'm a bit more little bro. <laughs> I haven't done Borat yet. Borat's on. I'm waiting for Borat. My partner's not a huge Borat fan, but it was a lot easier sell going, do you want to watch a Sofia Coppola movie, you yes. know, on, on a Saturday <laughs> night than watch Borat? Um, but, uh, you know, she indulged and watched Mando with me. So, Yeah, I really enjoyed the Coppola, but what I thought was funny was, and Baz, you'll see what I mean when you've, when you've sort of seen both, that, like, I think Borat 2 actually sort of has the more touching father-daughter storyline than on the rocks it's it's really weird in that in that sense but yeah anyway we'll we'll talk once you've uh once you've once you've seen both, yeah. i guess we'll we'll do that over on the borat podcast on the broad on the Borat yeah, podcast. yeah. Exactly. Borat. that you're bringing back it's been dormant for about 10 years <laughs> and all of a sudden <laughs> it's like um phil from the trial by stone you know uh dark crystal podcast you know yeah. he just started this dark crystal podcast and all of a sudden out of nowhere they dropped this whole series and he was like the guy so <laughs> Always keep those podcasts in the back in the back pocket, guys, because you never know. It's, it's funny like, when, when the first Borat came out. Probably podcasts weren't even like a thing. If you said podcast, people would think you were no, yeah, yeah. Talking a different. I, saw, that, I yeah. saw the preview. I was in London when the first Borat came out, and I saw a preview of it. Um, before it came out about probably a couple of months early and the, all the talk was like is Borat going to turn up is you know is because we're in London like yeah Sasha yeah yeah up as Borat. and he didn't he didn't turn up but 
I've I've never been in a cinema. It was like a riot, like it, that bit where they're running through the through the hotel and the nude stuff. Yeah. I've I fell off my chair. I was laughing so hard, and I've never done that. But I think I've never laughed that hard in a movie before. Like I fell off the chair. So I'm like I'm. It has turned into the Borat cast, but um, yeah, can't wait for me. I was yes pumped for Mando season two. Like, yes, you know, and considering. Um, you know, Rise of Skywalker didn't land with everybody. Mm. Um, I'm probably a little bit more forgiving than most, even though I, I, you know, I have issues with it like everybody else. It was kind of, I felt like everybody was on board. We were all on the one sort of train destination, you know, going to the same thing. Everybody was kind of excited. So it, it was good. It was, it was a good thing to, to bring people together as well. Mm. Yeah, exactly. Like it is, you know, we've said again and again, it seems to be the one Star Wars you know, a bit of content that does unite the entire fandom that everybody seems to be able to to get behind to one degree or another. So give it time. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> exactly, exactly. <laughs> now, uh, before we get into the specifics of this episode, guys, a, a general kind of question. How do you think you would have reacted to this episode if there hadn't been any leaks? Like if we knew nothing about season two going into this episode, do you think it would have changed how you reacted to this episode? 100%, yeah. I, even on the day I was at work and stupidly logged into Twitter for something. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, you know, it was, it was election night. I had to keep an eye on something. I just wanted to know. And then before you, you know it, you've seen a tweet and you've read it. And it was someone who actually had gone, you know, listed everything that was in the episode. And I'd read four or five of the things before my my, my eyes flicked away. And I was like, well, I, I kind of, you know, I, I know Timothy Oliphant's going to be in this. I know he's probably playing Cobb Vanth. Mm. I, but then this this person had gone, you know, Tatooine, Timothy, <laughs> uh, <laughs> Boba Fett, <laughs> or not Boba Fett. And I was like, oh, sh-. typical. So I Thanks. spoiled myself on the night, and uh, I, I, I just wish I hadn't, because if I knew nothing about this, if I didn't know Timothy Oliphant was in it, if I didn't know it was going to be back to Tatooine, mm. if I didn't know he was playing Cobb Vanth, you know, because I've read the um, Aftermath novels, which introduced Cobb Van, and mm-hmm. I really liked that little sort of, uh, you know, series of vignettes that Chuck Wendig set up with this guy who finds Boba Fett's armor and is, becomes the sheriff of a town. I thought it was a great little yarn. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm really glad that, you know, they brought him into live action. But if I didn't know he was going to be in the show, it would, you know, my mind would have exploded mm. while watching it. And yeah. Yeah, I still can't quite believe it's real. I still can't believe that they took this character from the novels and actually put them into live action. You know, I know we've seen that kind of thing before, but this seems like a different level. It's a minor character who you don't need to know anything about for the story still to work, Mm. you know? And it's just, yeah, it was done perfectly. So uh, it just opens the door for a whole lot more of that stuff. But yeah, if I hadn't hadn't known anything about it, I, I would, yeah, I wouldn't, be able to shut up about it. I probably would have watched it three or four <laughs> times by now. You know, <laughs> I was going to say, how many watches are, are are both of you on at this point? I've just watched it the once, but that's more because I don't know. We've been doing stuff. Last night was Halloween, so I was watching horror movies and stuff. What are, What are you guys? Uh, are you on one each, or have you, you given it a couple of views? I'm on one and a bit. Oh, nice. When I say a bit, because I've watched a few. I've watched a few reactions, and, and you know, you kind of flick through, and you get, you know, you kind of go, the, the thing kind of plays out and fast. And like, some you can say, well, what's what, what's his friend think of it? What's yeah, yeah, think yeah. Of it? And then I actually attempted to watch it last night quite late, and I <clears throat> got about ten minutes in and went, oh, I just, it's too late. I just can't concentrate. But mm. um, yeah, I mean, just 
just going back to your question, of, I'll just quickly answer, answer. I mean, obviously, I like. To, I mean, when it comes to movies, I like to be absolutely spoiler-free as possible. Um, and I knew about Timothy Oliphant, and I'd heard rumours about Tamara Morrison. Um, and the Cobb Van Thicke, I haven't read the novel, but I was familiar just because people had spoken about it. I knew a little bit about it just because people talk in relation to Boba Fett. But, I mean, I, I would have obviously liked to go in as dry as possible. But I think at least... You know, of the, of the things I know about the series, and I think you guys are probably the same, it was probably Timothy Oliphant, Tamara Morrison, Boba Fett, and Rosario Dawson is probably the other, you know, thing that rumour that's kind of swirling around. Mm. Apart from that, I don't know anything. Mm. So four-fifths of all the things that I know are gone. Mm. Like we, we, we played those and we've got eight more episodes to go or seven more episodes to go. So at least they cleared the decks of, of those things and I don't think they ever want to leak anything on purpose, but I don't. I think it's probably, you know, not such a bad thing that those things leaked early and maybe they, you know, the Lucasfilm clamp got down, got down a little bit tighter before anything else happened. But um, yeah. So just the one full watch for me. Yeah. I, I feel the same way about it as well. Like uh, I, I think that it's so exciting to realize that I think in the first five minutes of watching this episode, I was like, well, that was in the trailer. That was in the trailer. That was in the trailer. Mm. Mm. You know, we've seen about half of the trailer stuff in the first five minutes. So, mm. you know, that, that just opens things up. And now we, we've, seen a lot of the rumoured castings and, and, and things that we know are going to be in the season in the first episode. So, yeah, mm. it really leaves things wide open, doesn't it? It's just Which weird because, you know, you go back to the, you know, and I'm, I'm guilty of it on my own podcast. I'm sure you guys too of, you know, you do the trailer breakdown. Mm-hmm. You go, oh, my God, <laughs> yes. what is that? Look at the graffiti city. What does it mean? And it's like the first five minutes is the intro. It's just the street that he walks down. <laughs> and then it's it. Like, you know, and that's not, but you spend an hour like anything, yeah. freeze framing everything and like going, ah, oh, it actually, yeah, maybe it does mean something, maybe. But for the most intensive purposes, they're just like, yep, yeah, but it's just, we don't have to, we just have to give them something and they'll, they'll talk about it and then we can get on with it and save all the cool stuff. Yes. Like they're, yeah. I've, We're dealing I've with said it, proper professionals. Definitely. <laughs> I've said it before and I'll say it again. If they can keep baby Yoda secret, they can do anything. So, you know, buckle up. <laughs> yeah. Now one, one kind of really promising thing from this episode, I think, and uh, you know, I'm curious to see what you guys think of this is it looks like this season's going to have a stronger through line than season one. You know, when we talked about season one, we, you know, a lot of people talked about how, the, especially those middle three episodes of season one, I mean, what, you know, whether you love those episodes or not, they don't have much to do with the overall plot. Um, whereas, you know, and you know, it's very telling that when they recap season one at the start of this episode, they those episodes weren't part of the, the recap as, as far as I remember. Um, whereas this year, it looks like the Mando kind of has like a very clear mission to kind of find, you know, to find Baby Yoda's people, uh, find his people in order to find Baby Yoda's people. And every episode is going to kind of tie into that. So what do you guys think of that? Like having that kind of stronger, I guess, like narrative arc maybe to this, to this season. Um, I reckon that the, those three episodes are very purposely placed where they are. And I think it's becoming more apparent now when we watch the episode of this first one, that the first sort of two or three, and then the last two or three are the plot of that, you know, Mm. the main thrust of that story of the first season of find baby Yoda, get protect baby Yoda, you know, all that kind of stuff, bringing those characters back. Um, and then obviously Cara Doom plays in a little bit in the middle because she comes back at the end. But then you know, the Tatooine one, now we're, we're paying that off in this episode. Mm. Um, so that's playing a long game. And it turns out it's probably likely that Boba Fett was the one at the end of the fifth episode. Mm-hmm. Um, and Fennec Shan is probably there. Um, I mean, I even think that maybe they were in cahoots before and he was 
they were hanging out and he found her afterwards, which may even play into that. Mm. And then the um, the heist episode and then I think the Bryce Dallas Howell one, the love interest, I feel like that's playing the long game as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and the heist one, the crew, that's playing the long game as well. So I think that those episodes were, that there was a very particular reason Dave Filoni, you know, directed that, you know, that fifth one, people are like, why would he do it? He's just all fan service. It's like, no, he did, he did it on purpose because he knew he was planting seeds mm. to go later. And I think they'll, they'll start to pay off more and more. Um, whether they do that at this season, like you're saying, whether it is more like, hey, we're just going to pay this stuff off, how much long game, but we know there's at least another season to go. So I think there will be one or two kind of like, oh, that's weird. Why did we go over here again and get off the, get off the plot and, and veer off again? I think, no, it's all long game plotting. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I reckon. I, I don't know about you, Baz. Definitely, yeah. I, I think that a lot of people came down on, on that uh, first season tattooing episode as maybe the weakest one. Um, the only other one I saw in contention for that was the you know the the villagers defending against the Clatoonians mm. episode. Um, but yeah, a lot of people criticized that tattooing episode. Um, and I, I now think of Dave Filoni just like as the magician finishing the illusion, like pulling the sheet off something <laughs> like, yeah, now you get it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, totally. Yeah. I mean, I, like he, it, it is a self-indulgent episode to get me a lot. Get, mm. Don't get me wrong in that fifth one, but if you just, you just sort of go with it. And mm. uh, I mean, it does have that really annoying Toro Calican in it, but um, <laughs> yeah. you get shot in the stomach. So, you know, not so bad <laughs> yeah. anyway. Uh, but I think it's very deliberate. I think they're, they're, they're pulling a lot of threads and I think, um, like they're talking spin-offs and all sorts of stuff now too. So whether you do get a couple of kind of like, oh, why are we hanging around with these people? And it's like, oh, no, we're planting the seeds for the something-something show and the something going off in this direction. And, um, yeah, but, I mean, we just obviously we just take them as they come. We don't, <laughs> we don't look that far ahead. Yeah. yeah. What do you guys think of the Mando's plan here in terms of, you know, he's looking for other Mandalorians who he thinks can help him find the Jedi. Uh, I guess the logic is that, you know, Mandalorians used to fight the Jedi, so they know a bit about the Jedi. Do we think he could cut out the middleman here? Like, is there, is you know, is it necessary that he finds the Mandalorians in order to find Baby Yoda's people? Um, I That was the one thing that I thought was a bit weird. <laughs> I thought that was a, a weird logic jump in order to facilitate the story to get Cobb Vanth slash Boba Fett in. Mm. It just seemed a little bit weird that, he had a whole covert of Mandalorians. Um, he had somewhat of a relationship with them. I know a lot of them sort of bit the dust, mm. but not all of them. Mm. And that kind of just seemed weird that he would go, I have to go to them. When I was just talking to a Mandalorian, he gave me some information. Um, yeah, I kind of felt like he'd probably be easier to ask her out about Jedis. Um, I don't know. I, I, I guess it sort of throws up like do, do people, maybe I'm going way off here, but like, does nobody know who Luke Skywalker is? See, yeah, this is, that's the I, thing. I find this endlessly fascinating, right? Like, we're so we're in season two of this, and it, I think the world building and stuff that the series has done so far is is incredible. But I, I think it's so interesting that we just we have so such little concept of like what the average man in the galaxy, or even what someone like Mando, who's probably a little more clued in than your average man in the galaxy, actually knows about. You know what's happened in the movies and, you know, things like that. Like, d- does your average guy on the street know who Luke Skywalker is? I mean, certainly by the time of Force Awakens, you know, Ray knows who he is, but only as like a myth. Um, whereas the Mando seems to be like, whoa, what is Jedi? What's going on here? Like, it's all, it, it seems like it's all new information 
to uh, Mando. Yeah. Yeah, I did sort of kind of find that a little bit strange. I mean, I mean, I guess if you do draw the line to Boba Fett, like he's well aware who Luke Skywalker is. Um, mm. You know, he's crossed paths with him numerous times. Mm. And if you read the comics and stuff, even more, they've kind of tangled as well. So I guess you kind of go, yeah, so it does kind of offer up a few sort of questions and kind of go, if he does touch base with Boba Fett, even though he's technically not a Mandalorian. But, yeah, I... Yeah, I find that a bit... I just kind of found the logic a little bit strange that that would be the first thing he would go to. I thought he would just sort of start asking around. Mm. Because you can ask anybody about Jedis. You don't have to find a Mandalorian to, to, to yeah. ask about Jedis. Surely you can just ask anybody on the street, like go to the, go to the pub or find some old people or, you know, start there and get some information. Yeah. Like go to Coruscant or, um, yeah. That's, that's the only thing I think is... Uh, bears the logic out of that if if he's an operator on the fringes on the outer rim and he's always done that and he's always tried to keep a low profile he might not know or care too much about the inner world i mean there might be very small circles he has to because if, if i mean if mandalorians are hunted he's like hey, there's mm. plenty of places i can't go because mm. Mm. i'll just they'll lock me up or whatever yeah um but plus you know we, we're a man of the world <laughs> we, we know what he thinks of the new republic from that one line that i keep coming back to new republic that's a joke yeah. Mm. So uh, yeah, why? But he's he... heard of the New Republic, so he must have heard of at least like Leia and yeah. yeah. <laughs> I don't know. Like it just Leia's got this weird brother. Or, I don't know. He's, he likes black. You know, <laughs> it's just sort of that. Just seems weird. Like has, has he heard of Darth Vader? Um, mm. To know, and that the and the general public must be aware of Darth Vader, right? Because when for lots of reasons, but the one that springs to mind is like, you know, when it comes out publicly that Princess Leia is the daughter of Darth Vader in Bloodline, that's a big deal. Like, it's not like people are like, mm. who? Like, a- like be- you know, people know who that is. Like a bad PR, worst PR day. Yeah, ever, isn't it? <laughs> yeah it's the ultimate, you know, October surprise. Like, yeah, so, <laughs> yeah I, don't, I don't know. It's a bit strange. I also think it's weird, it, you know, because if he wants information on the Jedi or whatever, it's like, well, I mean, Cara Dune probably knows Luke. You know, like, or at least knows of Luke. Like, you could ask her. But it, mm. it might be a situation, you know, to, to go back to the old, uh, you know, Donald Rumsfeld, known knowns and known unknowns, et cetera, et cetera. Like, he, he might just have so little context for any of this that he doesn't know who to start asking these questions of and, you know, where to start looking. So I guess from maybe from his perspective, it's like, well, I guess, you know, the, the armorer said that we used to fight these guys, so... Uh, and he, you know, he kind of knew a bit about that already. So uh, maybe, maybe the, there's some sort of logic there. But it, it seems pretty clear it was. Ju- he's just they've set it up this way to get Cobb Vanth into the show and maybe to get Boba Fett mm. into the show as well. Well, I'd just be curious to see whether he, this <clears throat> carries on next week. Where we're mm. like, well, scratch that Mandalorian off. <laughs> now I've got to go find another Mandalorian, and that takes me somewhere else. Or whether he it just goes in a different direction. He's going, oh, actually, that's a bad idea. Or mm. someone's finds out that he's asking around or he changes tactic or whatever. Like, it just seemed like a weird kind of, yeah. I mean, when he kind of did that, I kind of said, I need to find Mandalorians to, I'm like, really? (laughs) Anyway. Well, if he's looking for Mandalorians, good episode. Jedi as well. Like, I mean, maybe this is how, um, there's always been like Sabine Wren rumors. So that could be a way that Sabine Wren comes into the show. Uh, Yeah. But anyway, I mean, look. Let, let's let's spend a bit of time now talking talking about you know the the actual the actual episode. The show opened with a cameo that I wasn't expecting. I don't know if you guys knew that this was happening. Uh, John Leguizamo as uh, a new Luigi, yeah, himself. <laughs> Luigi himself, yeah. exactly. Uh, as a new character, Gore Koresh. Did you guys know he was going to be in this season? 
No, no idea. In fact, no, in the no. trailer when Gorkresh spoke, I, I kind of thought it sounded a bit like Mark Hamill. And I yeah, thought right. maybe Mark Hamill doing the voice for this. But yeah, it was great to hear Johnny Legs get back in the game. Do you reckon he's in the do you reckon he's in the gear? Like do you reckon it's prosthetics nah, no way. with a bit of CG? Or do you reckon it's just uh He looks I mean, too small, doesn't he? He does love a bit of the pro- I'm thinking back he's to the, big you know though. spawn era. John like Lake spawn, was- yeah. He does love a bit of prosthetics, but uh I I assume it was just voice acting, but um I don't know. If anyone out there knows better, let us let us know. Uh, so that, I mean, that obviously sets him off in his path. Uh, you know, Amy Sedaris returns for another scene stealing, uh, appearance as Pelimoto mm. pointing him in the direction of, of Moss Pelgo. I mean, what do you guys think of the way that Mando's relationship with droids has kind of evolved there as well? You know, he obviously is much more, uh, welcoming of the droids working on his ship here. Yeah, it's nice. Yeah. A little bit of character development. It was nice for him to come back. I kind of liked that he, they kind of went back to Tatooine and, and, um, you know, he caught up with his buddies and, <laughs> and uh, it, yeah, it, it was kind of, it was just a nice little kind of, oh, that's cool. Like I, I just, I kind of, it's kind of like that, but he just went back to that being like, if we're going to go back to Tatooine, it's nice that they kind of did that. And they also didn't kind of, they kind of did it and moved on. He didn't go back to the cantina and, mm. you know, yeah, kind of done that. He didn't, he didn't have to do that. They kind of wrapped all the exposition up in that little scene and kind of got, got going. Mm. His, um, his relationship with droids has evolved, but, the droids have not evolved. Pit droids have not gotten any more <laughs> no, competent. No. <laughs> no. <laughs> and hopefully they never will. You know, that's, yeah. the, that's the whole shtick. I mean, that, that goes back to what you were saying before, Josh, I guess, like it is, you know, in terms of that episode five for season one being important because, yeah, like at the time it's all like, man, there's a lot of fan service in this, et cetera. But now it's cool that, you know, he can go back to Tatooine and, you know, there are supporting characters that are unique to this show as opposed to having to stop by and do the tour of all the, you know, the old Tatooine locations yeah. and stuff. Yeah. Including yeah, sure. R5-D4 now. Um, yeah. <laughs> seems to be now working for, uh, for Amy Sedaris. Yeah. He, was in, he was in the cantina he last was. season. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So he's just... Yeah, so I around. assumed he was an employee of the cantina, but maybe he's like changed jobs, or maybe he was just hanging out in the cantina, you know, with his mates, <laughs> just, just getting drunk, having burned off some steam, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> propping the bar. That's why they never used to let him in. That's why you didn't let George into the bars because they're really nasty drunks normally. But business is slow in, in Tatooine; you just got to let anybody in and just deal with the consequences. We uh, we talked a bit about Cobb Vanth up the top of the show. Um, what did you guys? Uh, I mean, obviously, we all kind of knew Cobb Vanth was probably going to be in this season, but you know, in terms of uh, you, the, you know the way it was actually done, like what did, what did you guys think of the the Cobb Vanth reveal? It was cool. It was just kind of funny that like his outfit didn't even fit. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> he was just kind of, and and they didn't try to hide it because I think I think even when I think I remember listening to a pod, one of the might have been Bad Motivators or one of the podcasts, and they were talking about Timothy Oliphant, and everybody kind of went to Cobb Vanth, and some people got like, oh, you know, Timothy Morrison's only like five foot something, and and Timothy Oliphant's blah blah blah, and isn't that going to look weird? I'm just like, well, they just completely embraced it. Mm. The guy who was just you know playing dress up basically mm. um, to be to play cowboy. Um, yeah, it was cool. I, I liked it. And I did like that he just sort of straight away just took the helmet off and was, you know, he, was he wasn't even trying to pretend that, you know, he, it was like he got kind of got busted. Like, I think he kind of just went and went, oh, like, I'll just act tough, but I, I think I'm in trouble here. <laughs> yeah, I, uh, I, I love that the armor, you know, because I suppose I, I haven't read the Aftermath books. It, Baz, in the, in the Aftermath books, was your impression that, you know, 
I, I just always imagined Cobb Vanth just looked exactly like Boba Fett, basically, with with the armor on. I never gave it much thought. So I was, like, really pleasantly surprised when he showed up and he had his own kind of unique look and the armor was clearly sort of ill-fitting and he was clearly a guy playing dress-ups. I mean, was that the impression that came through in the books or was that kind of unique to this episode? It was, yeah. I think the um, the books describe the armor as in pretty, you know, as seen better days when he finds it. Um, and... I think, you know, Cobb Vanth is an escaped slave or a, um, I think that's his origin, uh, you know, an escaped mining slave or something. Mm-hmm. So, you know, he, he's probably not going to be, you know, the right build for, for the, the armor. You know, he, he might be too skinny or too tall or whatever. So, yeah, it, it's perfect. It, it's, it looks really great. It's interesting to note, though, that in the books, um, the manner in which he finds the armor is slightly different. So uh, I love the fact that it's Cobb himself explaining how he got the armor to the Mando as a kind of unreliable narrator, because if the book version is the real mm. version, uh, he's explaining a version that's his own version, which is fantastic because it's both canon and not canon, you know. You can't sell another Black Series if it looks just like Boba Fett. You've got to do a little variation. I mean, us toy collectors are suckers, but we're not that suckers. At least, at least it's got a little like a red skivvy on underneath, something a little bit different. Yeah. Got, is, uh, is this one going to Nice have, hair, though. <laughs> will this toy have the rocket firing backpack? That's the question. <laughs> yeah, finally do it. But, uh, yeah, look, you know, as a guy who's going rapidly more grey by the day, it was nice to. You know, <laughs> I'm no Timothy Oliphant, but it was nice that he had he was doing the Silver Fox look quite good. So, by the time I get to celebration in two years, I'll probably completely grey <laughs> all over. If I do want to do a dress up, I'll you know at least there's one for the grey haired perfect people. I think there's already who's another grey haired. I suppose Obi Wan's probably oh, yeah. Yeah, the older, yeah. you know that sort of Uncle Silver Owen. Fox stage though. <laughs> yeah. yeah, all the old, all the old um, guard Chancellor Valorum. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. But he's, he's, I feel like he's younger. He's on the younger, he's on the sort of the the younger Silver Fox side. But anyway, <laughs> yeah. I'm not comparing myself to Timothy <laughs> what did we? What did we think of his performance? Like I thought he was, I don't know, Deadwood's a bit of a blind spot for me. I've never seen it. I know he's meant to be awesome in it. So I was kind of, you know, didn't really have massive expectations for him either way. Um, and I thought he was great in this app. What did you guys think of him? Yeah, I, I know Deadwood reasonably well. He's a lot more intense in Deadwood. Mm-hmm. Um He's very, he's much more likable in this. So I was kind of like, oh, is this kind of, but he was actually quite, he was quite an honorable man. You know what I mean? Like he was kind of reasonable, honorable. Like he kind of, he wasn't, there was no double cross and there was no, like, he was a bit like, oh, you got me. All right, let's, let's try and work something out here. Um, but yeah, his character in Deadwood is definitely a lot more intense. Mm. Yeah. Um, but he is still the sort of the sheriff and stuff. I don't know. Have you, have you seen Deadwood, Bass? I'm a huge Deadwood fan. I love Deadwood so much. And, well, wasn't uh, the Weequay barman yes. from Deadwood as well? Yes. I was just going to say the guy's I'm name. Jumping, I think I'm jumping ahead. No, no, go no, for he's, it. He's um, W. Earl Brown, I think his name is, and he plays yeah. uh, Dan Doherty mm. in Deadwood. So he sometimes tends bar in the Gem Saloon in Deadwood. So they had that same kind of dynamic, Lovely. I suppose. Mm. And uh, W.R. Brown had a lovely thread on Twitter about this. I don't know if you guys saw it, but no. uh, you should look it up. He's just his account of joining the Star Wars family and his time on set and working again with Timothy. And, you know, they were kind of hanging out at the bar and slinging a few choice swear words back at each other like they did on Deadwood, just <laughs> like redoing scenes from, from the bar in Deadwood. And I think this, the, the crew were cracking up watching them because there's a lot of, you know, HBO fans in there. Yeah. Um, so yeah, just just read his account of that. It's it's amazing, and he's so stoked to be on set, and and so stoked to be part of this thing. Um, but yeah, t- Timothy was great, I, and I I think that um, if you're watching the new Fargo series, he's in that as a a marshal. 
mm-hmm. um, who's got a bit more of a sense of humor and a bit more quirk about him. And of course, in Justified, yeah. same kind of character, same lawman kind of character, uh, but less intense, yes, than uh, than his character in Deadwood. So uh, you know, he's, he seems to be really good at playing these kinds of characters and just dialing up and down the intensity. Yeah. depending on what world he's in you know <laughs> it's like i'm star wars level of intensity yeah <laughs> faster more intense <laughs> yeah, faster more intense faster less happy, less <laughs> intense was the the other direction yeah. yeah you know obviously he's wearing the hand-me-down kind of armor but what did you think of the his his uh his speeder i mean wow like possibly salvaged from anakin skywalker's pod right has to it's, be if it's not it's it's you know it's pretty close and i mean he made that from scratch so it's not like you get one off the shelf mm. you know it's not like it's it's the it's the iphone that everybody's got kind of thing mm. or the the honda civic or something yeah. <laughs> um <laughs> so yeah look I, I mean as soon as i saw it i went i sort of clicked and i went that looks like that looks familiar and then i was kind of going which and i was like running the pod race in my head while it was going on like it's not sabalbas it's not ben quadraneros it's not like i'm <laughs> trying to think of pod races um and i think um, Nikki Kumar from uh, Imperial Senate podcast. He's like a massive pod race aficionado, and he was just like, "No, nah, that is it." Like he said, there's a few mm. panels and adjustments, obviously, because you've turned it into like a a rocket speeder, like mm. sitting on a rocket. Um, I love that. Yeah, though. Like, great. It's just a, it's just it's just a good thing. What's what's good, great for people who get it, mm. um, and then other people won't even notice. And like, of course, like what happened to it? He kind of Anakin won the race and just left. Mm. So. Yeah, um, it's great. Who? Um, it, it kind of, uh, you know, it's just got the bottom vein missing is the biggest part. It's just got the two at the top, but it's definitely the same thing. And it, it, here's this guy who's got Anakin's pod racer. He's got... I know, <laughs> right? It's armor. Perfect. You know, like, let's check him and see what else he's, he's got. He's the Forrest Gump, of, <laughs> Forrest Gump of Star Wars. He's just kind of like stumbling into these yeah. historically significant... Well, not, he's not even in the moment. He's not even moment. in the moment. He's, he's just he just and bobs afterwards, after. yeah. <laughs> just uh, looting the stuff dead. And doesn't even realize what he's got. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and that's uh, an interesting thing that uh, someone asked on Twitter: was uh, does the, is Slave One still on Tatooine, just sitting in a a yard somewhere? Because again, that would have been landed there at the mm. time of Return of the Jedi, which is what four or five years before Mando uh, and Boba Fett then went kaput. So Slave One's got to be sitting in a docking bay somewhere, or someone else has made off with it. I reckon they're going to show it. Yeah, they can help themselves. Yeah, whether he's turned it into a you know it doesn't fly and he's just turning it into a shelter or something like that. Or uh, it'll be curious to see what he's what. I mean, I know we're jumping ahead to sort no, of go for it, it, but it does it does open a bunch of questions of you know how long was he in the Sarlacc pit for? How long has he been here? What condition is he in? What's he been up to? Is he just sort of fresh out and he's a bit sort of messed up, or has he been out for mm. five years? And if he's been out for five years, why is he still here? Um, is he just waiting to try and find it? Is he like, I can't leave till I got my armor. <laughs> um, but yeah, I, I don't know. It's, it's, it, it does throw up a few sort of questions, but it's good. Good to know. Mm. I feel bad for him if he has been there for five, because I was wondering that too, like how long, like what's he been up to? Like, has he just spent ages trying to find his armor? And then as soon as he gets there, he sees it like <laughs> heading off in the other direction. Tries like, like, is he just sort of the Charlie Brown well, of the Star Wars universe? Like just nothing. But he's a bounty hunter too. Like he surely, he must've heard that someone's getting around in the armor as well. You know what I mean? Like if, if you would think if, so, if it's traveled off world and there's only like three towns, <laughs> we've established it's about three towns on Tatooine. Yeah. That, that's weird. That, 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 or maybe he's just like, yeah, or maybe he like goes. I'm no. I know it's there. 
I'm just going to wait to make my move. And then someone actually takes off with it. And he's like, well, now someone's taken off with it. Um, things have changed. <laughs> yeah. Like, like maybe he doesn't want it back. Maybe he's happy for someone else to draw the fire and, you know, draw the reputation. Maybe he's enjoying not being famous mm. and, and just chilling. You know? It, it could just know. be that if the armor gets out, people know I'm around and then mm. all of a sudden people know I'm not dead. Yeah. So actually I'm happy for this one horse town for someone to just stay there and wear it because he's not going anywhere. It doesn't matter. Mm. Yeah. But all of a sudden someone takes it and then gets out and they go, isn't that Boba Fett? So oh, wait a minute, Boba <laughs> Fett. And then all of a sudden the cover's blown and I've got a, um, yeah, I've got to face reality. So, I mean, that might be a little bit more yeah. logical. Yeah. I know, we're, right? no, I, I know we're jumping around through the episode a bit more, but but it's kind of, uh, you know, it's interesting to to see that the seeds of the story of how Boba Fett could have escaped the Sarlacc are planted here to mm. the point where we don't really need to know anymore. Like we know that there are Sarlacc caves that once had Sarlaccs in them and are now uninhabited, so we know Sarlaccs can presumably die. True. We know Crate Dragons are big enough to probably take on a Sarlacc. Uh, we we know that noise is, kind of attracts them, so maybe the noise of Jabba's sail barge going up attracted a crate dragon who took out that sarlacc, and maybe Boba Fett was only in there for an hour. You know, mm-hmm. so it's it's like yeah. So are we are we establishing that that's the sarlacc pit? Like that was the one? Uh, no, it's a, it's I a mean, it kind of makes it's sense. a different one. I think there's a line of dialogue where they say it's hiding out in a sarlacc cave or something, and it's like. Why is the Sarlacc not in there? You know, so it's not the one that. It, yeah, I don't think. I was it's just the saying, Boba Fett's nearby, yeah. but it's just. I mean, there might be bloody Sarlaccs everywhere. Yeah, they, they probably potholes. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, yeah, the the crate dragon. I mean, we haven't even. You know, that was one of the one of my favorite parts of the episode. I mean, I love. You know, obviously, we know Mandalorians are, are Western, but you know, I love that this was essentially like a. You know, kind of like episode four of season one, this is kind of a kaiju western where you've got this big, you know, monster that must be slain. Um, so yeah, that was that was a lot of fun. And uh, you know, I think one of the one of the interesting things about this episode as well is like we obviously talked, I mean, everyone talked about the influence of show of of movies like Yojimbo and A Fistful of Dollars on The Mandalorian. But this episode was kind of like the anti-Yojimbo. Like it was like this guy strides into town and there's these two warring factions, but instead of playing them off against each other, he actually is the one who brings them together, like brings them together for this common goal to to, to, to take out the, the crate Dragon. So maybe like like as even... Uh, as Cobb Vance sort of implies, it could be the, the the influence of the child. But, you know, we're seeing a softer, mellower, gentle Mandalorian uh, a little bit. <laughs> uh, you know, I'm not a, not a big fan of the phrase toxic masculinity just because it's become such a ubiquitous buzzword. But, I mean, I think it's very deliberate that in this episode we have Cobb Vance walk into the bar for what would traditionally be your Western, you know, showdown at the OK Corral kind of scenario. And they're just like look, we don't have to do this. Like how, you know, what, what, what can we do? Like what kind of arrangement can we come to? And then, you know, so that's kind of on the micro level with the two of them. And then on the macro level, you've got, yeah, obviously the, you know, the townsfolk and the, and the Tuscan Raiders kind of coming together. So what, what did you guys make of all that of Mandalorian as, as peacemaker? I was just surprised. Like, I, I kind of, you know, got 10 minutes in and when they were you know, looking like they're going to slug it out the bar, kind of going, oh, this is interesting. Where's this going to go? Because this kind of feels like, We've we've gotten here quite quickly, mm. um, and then it does it does it takes a left turn. Like that crate dragon was not something that I was expecting to have. You know, the thing starts rumbling, and I've just gone, oh, okay. This <laughs> we've, we've taken a bit of a detour here, um, and then the episode kind of just 
you know, goes up a level and the, the stakes kind of change and, um, you know, <laughs> they kind of decide to cut this, cut this. And it's just the fact that he goes, hey, if you help me out, you can have the armor. Mm. Um, yeah, I, I, I like that. I just kind of, I just kind of like the idea that, um, yeah, he was kind of, I was going to go, he could have just probably just taken it. Yeah. You know, you know what I mean? If he had to, <laughs> like if he had to push came to shove, he probably could just like, I'll, maybe I'll like melt your face off and you just give me the armor and I'll be on my way. Mm. But he was going like, all right, well, let's, let's work through this problem together. Yeah. Mm. Let's take down another monster. That's probably going to come with it. A, a hair of ending me. <laughs> just for the sake of not having to fight over the armor. Yeah. It's a, I don't know what you guys thought when you heard the rumble, but I thought I first thought Stampede of Banthas. It's going to be a Bantha Stampede up the high street and so much better than that. I thought maybe just like Star Destroyer. I thought maybe that was he was being followed by the Empire still lost. Like I kind of thought, oh, wow, we're just going to take this like turn here, but like, that's early. Like everything seems to be happening very early. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yeah, same. I thought it was maybe like some sort of Imperial presence or or whatever. But yeah, no, I was I was stoked with with what it was with the mm. uh, with the dragon. Um, you know, and and as part of that, obviously, as part of the you know the 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 townsfolk and the and the Tuscan Raiders coming together, uh, you know, we got another continuation of something. And you know, Josh, this goes to what you said about season episode five and season one being really important. Is episode five, season one, really sort of introduced this idea of you know, after 40-odd years of the Tuscan Raiders as people, like as opposed to just these kind of like ignorant savages out in the the, the backwoods or whatever, mm. you know, it sort of humanised the Tuscan Raiders, uh, which was, you know, long overdue. And then this episode, you know, obviously took that, you know, much further again. I mean, it was really nice to see the Raiders portrayed as human beings, I guess. Or just reasonable, mm. you know, if you, need to, if you need to sort of be, you know, it seemed to be a bit like, hey, if you, you know, if, if they're aggressive, but, you know, if you come at them aggressively, they're going to come at you aggressively. Mm-hmm. So um, it just seemed like all these hick farmers for years have just been taking pot shots at them and blah, 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 blah. Um, yeah. I mean, it does kind of offer up the, you know, what did Shmi Skywalker do to, to, to annoy them enough to, uh, <laughs> for them to take her away and things. But it, it does feel like it's a bit of like, yeah, you know, they're, they're the indigenous species and they've been probably pushed around and driven out and blah, blah, blah for ages and ages. And they just want to kind of be left alone when they want to be. And, mm. Um, yeah, it was cool. It was just cool seeing a lot of them and the, the band, like the banters and just the little nods of, you know, they're riding in a single file, like something like, yeah. like no one else, people wouldn't care, but you kind of go, oh, look, those banters, they're all riding, they're same people, they're riding a single file, mm. their numbers, like it's just, <laughs> and you see them kind of go up and down the, the dunes going like, oh, it makes total sense because mm. it looks like there's four of them and there's actually 20 of them. <laughs> um, yeah, it was cool. It was just, it was, I just, I mean, this is a slight left turn, but I just, I was, you know, looking for after knowing how the sausage is made a little bit i was looking for the volume like creases or you know the, the cracks or the the edges or the seams i suppose that's what i'm looking for mm-hmm. but it just didn't seem to come mm. like you kind of go i wonder like how much of this did they like what, how much of this is obviously it's a lot in your computer but like did they do all this on the volume or is it you know, they go out to the desert it just seemed like they just sold it so well mm. um yeah i was i was the same i was looking for it right up until I think Mando rode into town on his speeder bike. And I, I remember looking at the buildings, looking at the people and going, what size is the volume stage again? Can these people really be <laughs> in the shot with him? Yeah. And uh, and then at that point, you know, it just, as soon as Cobb Vanth appeared, I, I forgot about all that. I forgot about looking for the cracks. It's like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. it's more fun just to watch. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> right. yeah. Exactly. Well, 
But this this kind of rehumanization of the sand people is really interesting, um, and it always brings me to mind of there's a McSweeney's article and a satire article um, where it's like a monologue from Luke to Obi Wan going, Obi Wan, can you please stop calling them sand people? Now <laughs> it's kind of embarrassing. Yeah. Um, it's a bit racist. And I wasn't going to say anything back in the bar, but now we're on our way to Alderaan. Respect yeah, the yes word, man. Like yeah. it's really. Yeah. <laughs> so it's kind that's, of cool that's to their see the word. We're not allowed to use it. So. Yes. Yeah, yeah, that's their word for them. We're not even... <laughs> yeah, were we were we satisfied with how the crate dragon got taken out in this episode? I mean, big Jaws vibes, right, with the explosives. I mean, we could all. I feel like we could kind of see where that was heading when they loaded up the uh, the the bantha with the explosives. Yeah, I, I, I kind of like, um, the logic of it was a bit weird. Why would you bury them in a shallow pit when the thing moves through the sand anyway? It's just pop them on the surface. It's not gonna. Make any difference? Yeah, I don't know. Well, why just bar- bury them closer if you're worried that he's not going to make it that far yeah, out? But yeah. I guess they're like, if you get, I mean, I, I did like a couple of times with the poor sand people where they're like kind of, and then like running or you know, <laughs> running away as fast as possible, <laughs> doing the classic, you know, running outwards rather than running sideways, kind of, yeah, the, from the collapsing building. That's it. Uh, can we talk about the crazy acidic vomit as well? That's something that was. A curveball. That really was great. Cool. Yeah. One thing's for sure. The one that C three PO finds the skeleton of in Episode Four must be a baby. Oh, because that's like a tiddler, isn't it? Yeah, it's, it's a like tiddler. A- <laughs> so tiny compared to this big one. I think there's meant to be like two species of crate dragons, right? You've got like your, your sort of common. Isn't it something like there's like canyon dragons and common? I oh, look. I'm not going to pretend to know, but there's. I think there's meant to be two species. So maybe the one from episode four was the other species, or or I think I think you're probably right, Baz. It was probably just a, a baby, a baby crate. Yeah, the the facial features of this one reminded me a little bit of the Rancor as well, with the, the high up nose and the you know, mm. it was kind of interesting. So uh, I still have no idea how this it's thing eat- moves through the sand, like with the sandworm. Yeah, eating a lot of sand, yeah. isn't it? <laughs> With the sandworm, you can see how it's just sucking in sand and blowing out the other end, basically. Mm-hmm. But with this thing, it's a yeah, it's a bit of artistic license. I know it suddenly appears at the top of a mountain, so now it can tunnel through yeah. rock too. <laughs> anyway, never mind, never mind. It was still cool. I I was sort of expecting <laughs> to see. I kept waiting for the moment where we would kind of see the whole body of the dragon, like it would burst out of the mountain. You know what I mean? Like because when it when it yeah. was just sort of mm-hmm. magically almost like teleporting from place to place, I'm like, oh, is it going to actually like? fully come out of the sand or not but i guess that's a uh that's a mystery for for another episode uh also baz i like you know that you've talked about the possibility of a baby crate dragon because that leaves open the uh, <laughs> yes. the character find for season three <laughs> the you know ba- baby crate well is that what they pulled out of the is that what the sand people pulled out of his guts it wasn't a, an um, egg it's, was it that's a pearl that's a whole thing right baz yeah and ah. i think in the in the wending novels uh the deal to to deal with the um, with the sand people was struck over the the pearl from the belly of a crate dragon, which it, it sounded in the novels was a bit easier to obtain. Um, but it, it goes than, back further which, than that. Like it's the it's mm. um, Knights of the Old Republic is looking mm. for a pearl from a crate dragon, uh, and I think they pop up in a. Um, I want to say there's an EU like a Kevin J Anderson book where they where they pop up as mm. as well. So it's like a it's a deep cut the the pearl yeah. from the dragon. Yeah, right. No, I, I didn't know that one. I was just kind of like, oh, is it, is it an egg or is it like the jar was yeah. going to like crack the type over and start eating out the, you think it's just like, that's the tasty part. Like it's got, it's like the fugu fish or whatever. It's the one little tasty part of the crate dragon. They weren't going to go hungry for a while. No. Tatooine is just full of races that want 
one little part of some other massive monster. And it's like, yeah, <laughs> that's how, that's the because <laughs> well, they're always hungry because yeah. they just they can eat the one little bit and like, the rest <laughs> of it they just throw away. Yeah, I loved his just like giant piece of meat that he got to take with him as like his reward or whatever. That was yeah. that was great. <laughs> All right, and then obviously the big moment we've already talked about a little bit at the end of the episode, uh, we see Tim Morrison back uh, physically playing Boba Fett. Now, correct me if I'm wrong, but I think this is the first time we've we've actually seen him, you know, physically playing that character. We've obviously heard him voice Boba when they when they went back and uh, re-edited the the originals for the the Blu-rays. Um, and we've seen him play Jango Fett. We've seen him play clones, but I think this is the first time we've seen him physically play Boba Fett. And it's also the first time we've seen the adult Boba Fett without a mask, right? Mm. Well, it's just that the question is, will this, um, I mean, I, I know he hasn't said anything yet, but will this finally make those redubbed lines in the special editions not so weird and awkward now? <laughs> like if you actually, you know, if we finally get Boba Fett speaking in his New Zealand accent coming out of Tamira Morrison's mouth, mouth, like I think it'll just make those other, dub, you know, because I'm, I'm sure the same as you guys. Like, I'm so used to those original line readings mm, yeah. of Boba Fett. Every time I hear the special edition ones, I always go, oh, that's a bit weird. <laughs> you know what, you though? Know? Um, For me, like, I I always, like, when the prequels came out, I don't know how you guys feel about this, but, like, when episode two came out originally, it just was so weird to hear ki- a Kiwi accent in the Star Wars galaxy. Oh. It completely took me out of the movie. And it's like, I know, obviously, if you live in America or England or whatever, then none of these accents are, you know, uh, are particularly exotic. But, but I, it's just, it was just a, such a, like, oh, that's so grating to have, like, a New Zealand accent. Uh, episode two is full of that. Yeah. It's just because it's all full of soaps. It's all full of Aussie soap stars and, and, yeah, and all sorts of different sort of Australiana that it, it does seep into the, into the movie. And I mean, I'm sure, like I said, most people don't even notice. There's actually a deleted scene for Revenge of the Sith. There's a whole bunch of them. Um, that they cut this whole subplot where it's sort of Padme is getting senators mm-hmm. together. It's supposed yep. to be like the birth of the rebellion. Yep. I don't know if you've seen those ones before. Mm-hmm. And I think the lady who plays Bond Moth was in there and things. And there's a guy who's part of that group, but I think it's an indigenous fellow who's in there. And he's got that, that he's just talking in his normal Australian accent. Mm-hmm. And it is such a thick Australian accent. It is so jarring. I don't know whether they would have dubbed it or not for the, if they put the scenes in, but it, it really just goes, oh, like, wow. Like it's, yeah. But I, I sort of get the, the cultural cringe a little bit every time I hear an Australian accent in, in stuff. Yes. Um, Kept, it, put Captain Solo in the chili bin, bro. <laughs> Yeah. Get him dead. But the, the get thing, him dead. But the, but the um, funny thing is like Korg Korg in Korg in Thor I love. So yes. that's yeah. you know, I don't know. Like it's <laughs> the right. Well, I think I, I think did. for me, I've circled around now to where initially there was the cultural cringe when the prequels came out. But now, after however many seasons of Clone Wars and Rebels, I'm just like hearing an actual New Zealand accent come out of Boba Fett's mouth or a clone's mouth is going to be sweet, sweet music to the ears after whatever the hell that accent is that they're doing in uh, <laughs> So, no yeah. Offense to D. Bradley Baker. No offense to D. Bradley yeah. Baker, who's a very talented <laughs> man, but just as, an, as, as someone who lives here, that accent is very strange. Um, yeah. So, yeah, I'm looking forward to seeing a legit accent coming out of those characters' mouths again. Tell you what, was, um, Phantom Menace was a treat for me because, as I've mentioned before, the first two lines of dialogue are spoken by two different Northern Irish actors. So the captain of the Jedi cruiser and Qui-Gon. So I got like Northern Ireland all the way through 
um, <laughs> through episode one. So uh, I was more than happy. <laughs> I think the, it might be the first line of Attack of the Clones is by an Australian, actually. It's Jay Laguire, isn't it? Oh, yeah, it is, yeah. Is he, is he a New Zealander? He might be actually a New Zealander because he's just like, hey, there's no danger, everything's cool. And, I was, <laughs> <laughs> and then they, he, <laughs> the, the explosions happen. Um, oh, look, it's they did it. You know, they... I think it's no secret that Favreau wanted to make a Boba Fett show originally. I think that was how it was sort of pitched originally. And they went, ah, oh, nah, we've kind of, we're not, you know, we want to keep Boba Fett on the back burner and it would kind of turn into the Mandalorian. But I think once the success kind of looked like it was going and I think they kind of just decided to bring it in, but, um, or maybe it was a plan all along. I mean, I think obviously by that fifth episode it was, but I think as the writing kind of went along, I think they just went, yep, yeah, this is going to work mm. pretty well. Cause I mean, there's been, a million stop, stop starts on Boba Fett projects over the years. Yeah. And then they were supposed to announce one at Celebration a couple of years ago and it got pulled at the last minute um, after what's his name, the Fantastic Four guy like kind of lost his marbles. Mm, and, mm. and uh, yeah, so it's it's interesting to see what they do. And like it, it's a bit a bit kind of like, you know, people were always going, you know, is he dead? Is he, where's he going? It's just like, well, there's no way they're going to kill the Golden Goose. Like, you know, whatever your feelings are, whether Boba Fett, is your guy or not? He's got a huge fan base and he is a, you know, people still buy the figures. They're always the most sought after figures and toys and stuff. And, mm. you know, so how do you play this? Do they, is he going to be in for a bit? They're going to spin him off. They're going like, they to, they're going to keep him around now, now that they've, they've opened Pandora's box. Mm, yeah. They're not going to put him back in. That's it's right. gonna it's gonna very much be like now that he's in there, it's kind of the Poochie thing where it's like, you know, whenever Poochie's not on screen, the other characters should be talking about Poochie. You know, like people people watching the <laughs> show Pucci? are gonna want to see Boba Fett now. So like when he's not in there, people are gonna be like, But where's Boba Fett? Like we were teased Boba Fett. So like and you know, the I think that the interesting thing if you're like a hardcore Boba Fett fan is pretty much every character that we've seen in live action with Mandalorian armor at this point, Jango Fett, Din Djarin, Cobb Vanth, a whole bunch more characters if you want to open it up to the animated series, has been more competent and interesting than Boba Fett. Like, he's kind of the least interesting yeah. guy in Mandalorian armor at this point. Mm-hmm. So I think that- It was so you know, cool that we had a, a flashback to, uh, you know, smash his backpack in just the right place and it goes wonky. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <You know? laughs> but do, do they, you know, do, do they- that's the thing where they've kind of got a, and there is that kind of running joke about like, you know, it's kind of a bit of a haphazard, you know, yeah. ass backwards. And like there will be that sort of temptation, I think to overcorrect. Mm. Yeah. To a point in the show as well. So yeah, I guess that'll be sort of interesting whether they, like, they kind of do that. And the thing is also, you got to, he's not a good dude, Boba Fett. He's a bad bloke. Like he's, he's, <laughs> I, I, he's kind of been slightly painted as this sort of anti-hero in, in some instances, but I think, I think he'll be sort of much more on the villainous side. I don't think you can have an anti, you know, I think the Mandalorian is kind of that guy who's softened and I don't think you need two of them. Like, I think he will be, like, I wouldn't be surprised if he's just like, hey, that's a nice looking baby Yoda you got there. Mm. I'll have that. Mm. Or, you know, this is my ticket out of here and I know what that is. But, um, yeah, I, I want to see him sort of stay on the villainous side of, of the equation. I don't need him to have a sort of moral awakening. I would sure. love I think- that. Yeah, pe- people's fandom of him and fan worship of him goes back to like the fact he was the mail away figure and he was the mysterious dude and he showed mm-hmm. up in the holiday special and you know he's got the cool armor. But yeah, he's he's actually not a good guy and he's had a really, I mean, he had a rough childhood, but he was still get him dad before anything bad really <laughs> happened to him in his childhood. So he was still a little psychopath. And then he fell in with all the criminals yeah. and you know you see him in Jabba's palace. He's kind of womanizing, hanging out with the dancers and 
Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? He's, it's true. Oh, cool he's, not, he's not a good bloke. No, no, yeah. but a bad, bad bloke, <laughs> categorically. Yeah. Yeah. Bad bloke. But let me throw this question at you, right? Do you think that is Boba Fett? Because yeah. at this stage, if I've done my sums right, Boba Fett would be about early 40s, and Tim Morrison is nearly 60. So but he's he's going to be through... revealed to be... He has been through the Sarlacc's gut, yes. You saw how that... that that's you know that Tatooine son aged your McGregor. Yeah. So. <laughs> the, the thing with the thing with aging in Star Wars that I always come back to is like that scene at the start of Rogue One where Ben Mendelsohn looks twenty years older than he looks later in Rogue <laughs> One, which <laughs> takes twenty later. place twenty years later. So I just, I just don't think you know I, I think they play yeah. kind of fast and loose with the, with the actors' appearances. Well, does it rule out like you know there's the, the Ahsoka Tano rumors going around, and then obviously when. To Mara Morrison's name got thrown around. People, you know, some people went Boba Fett, some people went Captain Rex. Like, is it too, is it too confusing for the general viewer to throw Captain Rex in now? Like, even if he's got a beard, are people just like, like, what is going on here? Or is, mm. is there a bit of hand holding that needs to be done if if they do that? Or is it just sort of people go two and two go? Well, he must have been there because Tim Mara Morrison's in it and Ahsoka's in it, and now you've got Boba Fett. It kind of feels and. He should be old, like he should be older because he's like the accelerated aging clone. Like he actually should be about that two yeah. Morrison age for sure. Yeah. Mm. It's a good question. I um I, I'm hoping we see Captain Rex this season, especially because like if we're gonna see Ahsoka, it makes sense we would see Rex. And you know if you if you if you've got Tim Morrison in there, make the most of it. Just have him play everybody. Uh, so I I don't know. I mean I uh. But but you 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 make a good point. Like, is it gonna take people out of it if you've got a you know, explain who all these different guys are. Or I, I think it would be fine. I think people would just, I mean, we've seen, I think people are just willing to go with it and look it up on Wikipedia or whatever if they have to. But it would probably work, almost work better in the context if you had Boba Fett facing down Rex and then you could actually explain it where he's just like, you know, you're not even a proper, you know, you're just a, you know, an imitation, mm. blah, 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 blah. You know, actually face, like that would actually work better than hey we had this guy who looks like this in this one episode and we didn't see him and then all of a sudden a guy who looks just like him turns up and then you've got to explain like it actually played into boba fett's reaction to it i suppose Mm. um if it happens if he sort of stares down his his double i mean he's a clone as well but he's i'm I'm sure he thinks he's a special clone because he's you know he was like the sun and everything Mm. so i am it's 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 interesting we didn't get a lot of hand holding in this episode and there's a lot of stuff to unpack for people who've seen the you know, the, the original films, still a lot of gaps to kind of fill in. But uh, I don't, I mean, I've only watched it once, so correct me if I'm wrong, but I don't think the words Boba Fett are spoken in this episode, are they? No. 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 So well, Because nobody knows whose it is. It's just some random army. Yeah, like, yeah. I, I don't think we hear know. the name. Yeah, so, so you know, that that's kind of... Uh, that's kind of cool to know. Bob Vant doesn't know whose it belongs to, yeah. and, mm. and it doesn't seem that um, the Mando, does. the Mandalorian, knows as well. That's right. So, do you think the Mando knows who Boba Fett is? <sighs> well, I, you know, the people who rescued him um, when he was a kid seem to have the Boba Fett style armor. You know, but, more. But they, the, were, the, the, but they were legitimate Mandos, whereas Boba wasn't. Yeah. Not necessarily. Yeah, but 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 like maybe Boba, wear, maybe Boba and Django wear the same armor as a certain clan of Mandos that you know maybe he knows. Yeah, so, so it's but if he doesn't know who Jedi's are. Like who knows? Yeah, what who knows? He what knows? He knows. <laughs> You'd think like being a, um, a, a being a, a a bounty hunter, like he would know who Boba. That would be like like knowing your competition, even. Yeah, like yeah, like if you're if you're a journalist and you don't know who Bob Woodward is, 
Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, it'd just be interesting because if people were just like, oh, you know, we hired the Mandalorian bandy fund. Oh, we thought we were getting Boba Fett. You know what I mean? Like yeah. you think that would at least come up once or twice. Um, it's just funny, you know, because the, the Star Wars galaxy is sometimes you know, extremely large and then sometimes extremely small, you know. So it, it's kind of like whatever whatever it is on this day, is he heard of everybody or does he not know anyone? <laughs> Just before we uh, just before we wrap this one up, guys. I mean, this was we talked a little bit about the Favreau factor. I mean, this was the first episode of the show that producer John Favreau actually directed himself. Like, if you look at the you know the roster of season one directors, he's not in there. Do you think he brought anything particularly like Favreau-y to the table that wasn't already there in season one? Um, I mean, I think he brought a scale to it that he could indulge because he was the producer, you know, mm-hmm. I, I, when I sort of did the preview show and I had some, some of the crew, some of my friends on here, Catherine and Matthew and people like that. Um, we, we kept coming back to the, the game of Thrones season seven opening mm-hmm. and the, the story very quickly being that, you know, we were over at celebration when that dropped and that night it dropped. We all went around to one of the houses where all our sort of celebration friends were, we all got together and watched the show. And then by the end, I was just like, that was all right. Like it was a bit kind of, you know, mm. and I was going, is it possible that this is just going to kind of, because we didn't know where it would pick up as well. But like, you know, some, a lot of times, you know, second season, first episode, you just get into the pace of things and you just kind of, you know, things just get kind of set up and you roll and it's, it's never sort of like huge. Mm. But the fact that I think Favreau is like, oh no, I've got to do it. Like I did that. I, we dropped that baby Yoda. I need people talking. We've got to keep this, you know, I think it's, we've got to keep this thing going. The scale's got to get bigger. We've got to drop the Boba Fett. We've got to, yeah, I, I was surprised. I honestly thought it would be a lot more sort of slow burn, mm, same. Um, set stuff up and come in. So I think that that's definitely a Favreau factor where he's just like, all right, I'm 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 coming in. I'm going to blow the doors off. I've always yeah. wanted to do Boba Fett. We're going to do we do these things. And, yeah, the Fav is in the house. <laughs> it's, it's, it's very much a it's a movie with all the fat trimmed off. Mm. You know, it's it's 50 minutes long. I, I started watching it at near, nearly midnight because I couldn't watch it till after work. Mm. Um, and about half an hour in, I remember pausing it and going, how much longer is this? Oh, 20 minutes left. Wow. Mm. So it's like a good 20 minutes longer than most of the episodes in the first season, which were pretty short. Mm. I think they're all around this length, aren't they? I think they're all supposedly going to be this mm. long. Oh, That's awesome. cool. Yeah. But, uh, but this really felt like a, a you know, full three-act structure movie, uh, and that, that's what Favreau's brought to the table here. He's just made it he's up the level, made it just feel more epic and more significant to the point where, like, I now feel that anything epic or significant in the galaxy has to happen on Tatooine, weirdly, <laughs> <laughs> even though there's nothing happens on Tatooine. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's the, it turns out it actually is the bright spot at the... Uh, the <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's it's exciting. Like it's it's. I mean, I, I actually hadn't clocked that all the episodes were longer, so that's exciting. Um, and yeah, it, it, you're right, Baz. It did feel like a full movie contained in one episode. And if we get that, you know, every week, uh, mm. you know, that's yeah. it's going to be incredible. Well, it's just it just kind of goes. Oh wow, well, is this like is this the scale that we're playing at now? Like I like I said, when we sort of started. I said I was just amazed by the scale of what it was before because my brain went, well, it's TV. Things are going to be, it's going to be, you know, Battlestar Galactica level of stuff with a little bit of CG, but mm. mostly corridors and mm. all that kind of stuff. And then I was, I was amazed by the scale then, but now they've kind of gone, Hey, we showed you, you know, how we did that last time. And now you think that's what it is. And now actually we've gone and, <laughs> mm. and up the ante even more. Mm. Um, I'll be really curious if when they start doing this making of stuff and they've gone, Hey, let we've done that. How can we push this even further? So people, f- who thought that they knew what they were getting 
are getting something even bigger. Yeah. I feel a little bit weird for uh, for Chuck Wendig, who, of course, created the character of Cobb Vanth. He didn't know they were using it. Um, he didn't know it was going to be in an episode. Uh, yeah, so they, they but I mean... I mean, he he was. If you play in was, the Star Wars sandbox, that's that's yeah, uh, that's going to happen. That's true, but his is a special sort of case because of the fact that you know he was kicked out of the Star Wars family for I think for some kind of a Twitter thing for a Twitter crime. Yeah, um, some Twitter people dug yeah. up some stuff what he said ages ago. But that's hey. right. But you know, you look at James Gunn and he made his way back from that to the to the point where he's like back stronger than before. So I feel bad for Chuck Wendig still being in Twitter jail. All right, guys. Well, that uh, that I think Robert just about wraps up our recap of season one. We don't want to go too much uh, too much longer than the actual episode we are we are recapping. Um, Josh, where can people on the internet find you? Uh, you can find the podcast at starwarsspeltout.com um, or Star Wars Spelt on Twitter. And we just sort of do like a little interview sort of show. We have friends and people who in fandom just. It's all pretty loose and just fun and having a chit-chat and Baz has been on and I will get you on soon as well. We're on, I promise. Excellent. It'll happen. Nice. Uh, and if you're into Peppa Pig, as I'm sure you guys are as well, <laughs> I do a Peppa Pig podcast as well with my good friend Matt where we, we break down the Peppa Pig podcasts and we're, we just clocked 100 episodes of Peppa Pig. So, um, and so to be know, clear, this is, this is not a bit. Like you actually do have a Peppa Pig podcast. No, no, right? this, is, real, this is a real, real thing. thing. <laughs> yeah, it is, it's way more popular than my Star Wars podcast as well because we're the only game in town. Yeah, well, exactly. So exactly. <laughs> It's like the Dark Crystal one, like the Borat podcast. You've got to be, you know, you've got to be the one ready to pounce at the right time. It's important um, to leave a so legacy no. that your children can be proud of. Josh. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's what they'll put on my tombstone. Did Peppa Pig podcast and occasionally guessed it on Star Wars podcasts. Um, so, yeah, so check that out. That'd be great. So, yeah, thank you, guys. Thanks for having me on. It's been uh, awesome chatting a bit of Mandalorian. It's sort of... But the the fire is burning again, you know. Like I said before, now we we, we can see the sun. Um, it's two uh, suns, all steam ahead. <laughs> we can see the two. Yeah, two yes, nice. probably a few more times this season. Yeah, well. yeah. Well, thanks for joining us, man. It's been awesome having you on, uh, Baz. Obviously, yeah. If people are looking for us, they can head to. Uh, well, you're at Baz McAllister on That's Twitter, uh, and I'm at, at Rowan underscore Williams. And if you're looking Correct. for, uh, I always get that wrong, but this time nailed it. Uh, and if you're looking for the podcast, we're obviously at Force Material on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, all those usual places. But generally, it's easiest to find us on Twitter. We'll be back next week, obviously, with our recap of episode two. I'm Ron Williams. I'm Baz McAllister. I'm Josh Chapman. And you've just taken your first step into a larger world. <laughs> <laughs>